Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I must welcome all of our locations from Perth West, Perth South, Sunshine Coast, Hobart, Melbourne East, Melbourne South, Melbourne West, Adelaide and good old San Francisco and Bangkok. Welcome to our service today. This is a message in which we believe that the Lord has put on the heart of this church, the heart of the Father and the Mother of this house, as well as myself as the fivefold representative. And uh, you'll have seen that it's been branded sharing Jesus confidently. Now, it's a really nice tagline to sell something or to push something. But I've got to tell you, the purpose behind it is absolutely essential that every believer gets it. So today we're launching into all things sharing Jesus confidently. For the next 21 days, we're going to go on a journey together as a church. Now we uh, have done our best as a part of my role as the fivefold evangelist to train and equip the saints for the work of ministry. So everyone point next to you and say, you're a saint. Now you've got to do the ministry. So my role is to train and equip you. And over the last three years, we have been building material to do exactly that. Now, the stories that are coming out from the people who are doing it and getting engaged in this space and being really uncomfortable and following the great commission that the Lord gave to us are actually seeing fruit. They're actually seeing souls saved, not in church on a Sunday with their friend coming to church and raising their hand, but in their workplace, in their school, in their university, in their home, on the street, wherever it is, it's taking place. And that's exactly what we are called to do. So I'm going to push in this point of the service, everyone towards the QR code or alternatively, the Sharing Jesus Confidently Instagram page where you will find all of the resources that we have created to equip you, your children, for the work of ministry. We start a 21-day devotion tomorrow written by our executive team along with the fivefold evangelists across all of our locations. And the intent of that is that you would go on the journey and allow God to transform your heart from the inside out. This is not about behaviour modification. It's about a heart transformation. And we've done our best to set you up with all that you need. There's resources of video material and podcasts. We have children's packs and parents' packs to help you go on a journey with your children over these next 21 days. So perk the person next to you, tell them, get ready. You're about to be equipped. Whoo, Lord. I'm going to start with a uh, bit of a story. Um, 12 months ago, as we were leaning into this pursuit of the more of God and for revival to break out, I went on this incredible journey with the Lord where I was like, Lord, I'm wrestling you. I am, and I don't care if I have to get up with, you know, two limps because of two bad knees. I am not going to let you go until... I have an encounter with you until I see the glory of the Lord. And I was hungry and I was on this pursuit of the Lord. And 
I've been in many services where, like you, I've been undone by the glory of God. Would you agree? Who here has experienced the glory of God over the last 12 months in a crazy way? It's been a beautiful thing to encounter the glory of God. And, and, and the beauty of it is that we live under a new covenant, which means that the glory is meant to go from glory to glory, not diminish, and not for us to put on a veil like Moses did because the glory would disappear or fade away, but to go from glory to glory. And the challenge was for me in this space, I was like, God, I wanna see your face over and over and over again. And last year I had an encounter in my living room. I was in there seeking the face of the Lord and I was like, God, I, I'm just, I want more of you. And I just started to declare by faith scriptures. And over and over and over and over again, the, the scriptures just kept pouring out as I prayed into them and over them. And then all of a sudden in my living room, I literally felt the tangible presence of God in my room. And everyone's like, oh, that must be beautiful. No, it was terrifying. The only thing that I could say in that moment was I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Completely consumed by the glory of God and too afraid to lift up my head off the ground because of what I would see or what I would feel as a result. And in that moment, I, I, was, I was on my knees, my face, my eyes are puffed up like all of yours. When you have an encounter with God and I, I was like, God, I don't want to leave this place. And it felt like a lifetime, but at the same time, it felt like a moment. And over the last 12 months, I've kept coming back to the Lord, having you know, different encounters here and there. But can I be really honest with you? There hasn't been an encounter that has been like the one I had in my lounge room. Did you know that the God wants to display His glory to you in the private place? Not just in the corporate place, in the corporate setting. I, I cannot wait for the glory of God to appear in this place in a form of a cloud. I've seen it in a vision and I know that it's coming. And I keep coming back before the Lord saying, God, give me more, show me more, show me more, show me more. And He said to me, Sheree, I can't give you any more. I'm like, what? There has to be more. <laughs> I can't be it. And he's like, I never designed people to contain my glory. It was to be glory in, to be glory poured out. And he said, unless you pour out, I can't pour any more in. And church, may I just say, for us who are hungry for more, and not content just to do check-in and check-out church, but actually want to have an encounter with the living God. You will never go deeper than the place you are right now until you pour out that which has been given to you. I got down on my knees and I broke. I was ruined. I repented. I don't know how many times over and over and over again. God, I'm sorry. Because it was never meant to be a jar with a lid on it containing the glory of God, but it was meant to have a tap at the bottom of it that would simply flow out to others. And I was ruined for it. And he said, Sheree, my people have too often tried to contain the glory of God. I'm like, what do you mean? And he says to me, go to Matthew chapter 17. Jesus in the transfiguration. He's having an encounter with the Lord. He has come before God to pray and there is an encounter that opens up. And it says that, that in that moment, 
In that moment, there was a light that shone so bright that it could not be even articulated or understood how bright the light was. And Peter, James and John were with Jesus at this point on the, mount, on the mountain at the point of transfiguration. And at that point, Peter launches in to a rant. Lord, Lord, can we, Jesus, can we build a tabernacle? Can we build a tent? Can we build, build a place? And just as he's going into his conversation, God interrupts him mid-sentence. And he's like, hey, my words, shut up. This is my son. Listen to him. See, what beheld in that moment for Peter was he got to see Moses and Elijah with Jesus. And he was so astounded by the glory of God being captured in that moment. It says a cloud came down over them. He could see Moses and he could see Elijah. But God interrupts him and says, no, 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 no. Stop. Mid-sentence, stop. This is not about containing this moment all my glory. But it's about seeing the only thing that matters. And in that moment, Moses and Elijah disappeared. And in that moment, Peter is standing there. The only thing with James and John that he sees is Jesus. Because friend, that's all that matters. That is all that matters. His glory was never to be contained. And in that moment, Jesus, knowing the cross was still before him, grabbed Peter, James and John and began to go back down the mountain. After an encounter of the Lord and the glory of God, he says, no, we've got to go back down to the valley where the people are. We've got to go back down to where people need an encounter because glory is never meant to come and stop and abide only in you. It's meant to flow through you to somebody else. And literally as they come down the mountain, a man comes to Jesus and says to him, I'm bringing you my son. He has seizures, can you heal him? See, there are needs in the valley that need to be met with a glory encounter. And it says there that the disciples, the other nine, because the, you know, the three were up with Jesus, there was another nine. They were down in the valley. And it says that they, he said to Jesus, the, the man said to Jesus, I took, you, I took him to to, the, to your boys, to your disciples. I took my boy to your disciples and they, they couldn't heal him. And Jesus says, oh, how, must, how, long, how, must, how long must I deal with this faithless generation? See, the other nine disciples, while Jesus, Peter, James and John are having an encounter, the other nine disciples are just simply sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back. It's more often like the church than we realise. The disciples were not on mission. It says the reason that they couldn't do that when they asked Jesus privately was because their lack of faith. Some other versions say lack of faith, lack of prayer and lack of fasting. It was their devotion to the Lord. Can you just picture this with me? Just maybe that the disciples, the nine, were all gathered together just sitting and waiting for Jesus to come back. And it was such a... Such an obvious moment for them to have gone about and stayed on mission, stay in a place of devotion, stay in a place of prayer, stay in a place of fasting, stay in a place on mission. 
And that man wouldn't have had to go look for them. They would have been looking for him. And instead, he comes to them and they can't heal him. And when Jesus says to the disciples, it's your lack of faith, your lack of devotion, lack of prayer and fasting. It's about the place of intimacy where the glory of God is revealed. They sat on their glory of the past and forgot to stay in the present and stay on mission. And unfortunately, we as a church have done the same thing. We have literally gotten really comfortable with our little container of glory and our experiences of Jesus. And we never go anywhere greater to the glory beyond glory, like to, from glory to glory, from glory to greater glory. We never get to the greater glory because we stay locked up and contained with the glory we got. See, this is the thing. We, 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 I need us to capture this because honestly, church, we could stay as just a glory encounter and do no earthly benefit. Or <laughs> we could step in with what God has for mankind, partner with Him, co-labour with Him and to see glory extended and beyond here and out there. When Jesus showed the disciples, literally, he, he walked up to this young man. It wasn't, it, huh. it wasn't like it was the biggest problem. It was a young man sick, like any other young man or daughter or girl had come before. It was a young kid with seizures. Now, given the father's very upset about this, he wants healing, Jesus simply lays his head and it says, instantly the boy was healed. When we go from the place of glory and bring the glory back down to the valley where the people and the needs are, glory breaks out. But when we sit on our little butts and our tushies in church, stay warm and cosy and actually don't do anything that we're called to do, we'll see nothing. You wanna know why you don't see signs, wonders and miracles through your life? And maybe you're seeing and observing through somebody else's life? Can I suggest just maybe? It's because you're not allowing the glory to flow through you. And it starts with the gospel. Matthew 10, 8 says, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. We don't see the latter because we didn't do the former. If we'd actually preached the gospel, we would see those things like the disciples saw. And it all starts from a place of encounter with the presence of God. Can I suggest to you that this is not about what you can do in the natural. This is about presence evangelism. Because the presence of God just doesn't dwell in here. He dwells in you and I. And our role is to be a vessel of presence. A vessel of presence. Whoa. Huh. Can I suggest, church, we need to come out of the upper room. It's time to get out of the upper room. Let me, let me put it to you like this. Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 14 says that the disciples gathered together in the upper room. They were praying and seeking the Lord together. Acts chapter 2 says that there's an encounter from heaven. Yeah. Holy Spirit comes down. You all know it. We exist because of it. 
baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place, people are filled with the Spirit of God and they are, there's tongues of fire that appear on their head, there's languages coming out that other people are hearing, are hearing the good news of the gospel in their own language and it starts to break out. See, the whole purpose of being in the upper room is to encounter the Lord so that you have something to give out. And it's time for us as a church to get out of the upper room. See, Acts chapter 3 tells the story. So let me just finish that. Acts chapter 2 says that after they had the encounter, Peter then preached the gospel. He preached the gospel and 3,000 were added to the church in that time. Because they left the upper room. If they had hung out with the 120 and had a holy huddle, we wouldn't have gotten anywhere with this. It was never God's intent for it to stay as a holy huddle. It was always His intent that it would go out. And it's time to leave the upper room. And literally as the disciples leave the upper room, thousands are saved. Hmm. Can I suggest to you this? Hmm. The presence of the Lord is to be encountered and it is to be expressed. Encountered and expressed. It was always his intention that presence would lead to an encounter to then be expressed to somebody else. Let me, let me go one step further. If you have a holy God encounter and you don't change and something doesn't happen in you, can I suggest don't get up? Seriously, don't get up because there's a world out there that needs something of power and substance. And if you don't get up changed, then don't go. The presence of God was always designed that we'd have encounter and that it would lead to an expression. Oh. Presence of God is glory in action. It's the glory moment and then glory in action. Oh, and it leads to change. It leads to change. The secondly, the thing is that the presence must lead to a proclamation. For Peter, it was the proclamation of the gospel that 3,000 were added and they went from the holy huddle of 120 to 3,000. But it was only because the proclamation of the gospel was on his lips. Ah, Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Then he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, this is the purpose I live. This is the only thing I live for. He said, my life means nothing to me unless I am in the ministry of preaching or testifying to the grace of God. Whoa. The presence of God is to always lead us to proclamation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, he says, I'm a servant of all so that I might win more. (laughs) Jesus. See, proclamation is what you and I are called to. Let me put it to you like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through about 6, verse 9, you will find, actually, let's turn to it. You will find here in this passage, 
a very clear indication about what we are called to in this proclamation. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anyone here in Christ? That's an encounter. New creation is an encounter. And it literally says that everything changes. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. All this is from God through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave the special few, just the evangelists, just the pastors of the church, the ones that sit down the front, just maybe the two or three rows that are close because they're really passionate. No, no, no. It says he gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Not ones who hide away in an upper room. Ambassadors. Ambassadors go, ambassadors tell, ambassadors lead the way, change, see changes in regions, in nations and in cities. Look at the person next to you and tell them they're an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. Making his appeal through us. When was the last time you appealed to someone about Jesus? Sorry, this is the word. I'm, I'm just being really honest. We implore you on on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive this grace of God in vain. When we keep silent, We are keeping this grace in vain. In the favourable time, I listened to you in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the favourable time. Now, behold, is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Sometimes you and I are the greatest obstacles to people knowing Jesus. Sometimes we get in the way of actually what God wants to do. Let me give you an example of what that might look like. Lord says to you, I want you to tell that person that I love them. I want you to tell that person that Jesus could heal that injury. And we walk away and go, oh no, I couldn't do that. That's, that, that's only for the free, free rows at church. That, they do that. Oh, no, 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 I couldn't do that because I may be rejected. Oh, no, no, I I couldn't do that because I might mess it up. I might fail. And we get in the way. And we're an obstacle. Instead of a vessel that he could flow through. See, the presence must always lead to the proclamation of the gospel. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you what that word ministry actually means. The word in the Greek is 
Diakonos. Diakonos. Did I get it right, Greek people? Anyone? I'm hoping I've got this right. <laughs> Diakonia is the other one, and it means to proclaim or to promote the gospel. It means to execute someone's commands who is your master. You're ministers of the new covenant. You are ministers of reconciliation. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3 because it talks about us being ministers of the new covenant. And it's so wild because the glory of God, it talks about it with Moses. The glory of God that showed up with Moses was a temporary thing. But now in this new covenant, we have access to it and we are transformed into His image. And if you are not becoming more like Him and you are not sharing the good news of the gospel and the proclamation of the gospel is not on your lips, can I dare to say, you're not going from glory to glory, you've got contained glory. Contained glory when it was never His intent for that to be contained. See, this is the other thing. Presence must lead to persuasion. Now, I'm not talking about persuasion of manipulative persuasion. I'm talking of the the persuasion that you are so driven by His desire, you have nothing else but to lean in and persuade someone with the good news of the gospel. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, because the fear of God, therefore fearing God, we persuade others. When was the last time you persuaded somebody? Because presence must lead to persuasion. It must lead to persuasion. The fourth thing is this, that presence must lead to a demonstration. Ooh, this one gets me a little bit excited. Because you know someone, you could get someone, they talk the talk and you're like, yeah, I'll talk, I'll talk, I'll talk, but no work, like nothing to show for it. Okay. Acts chapter 3, they've come out of an encounter in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, they are, they've left the upper room, right? They're on their way to the temple. The gate, beautiful, is there, and they see a lame beggar. Actually, he sees them first. And he calls out to them for arms. And they respond at him and gaze directly at him. And they say this quote. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Oh, church, can I just say, we may have actually become the complete opposite. May I say that we now as a church say, silver and gold I have, how can I help you? But we don't have the power to say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Oh my God, we are so desperate for an encounter with the Lord that literally He would flow through us that rather than say, here, I've got a few coins to help you out, beggar or homeless person or person with an injured leg, let me take you to a really good doctor and pay for it for you. May we say, hey, in the Name of Jesus, let me get you up and help you stand because it's His desire that healing would flow through you. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. It's His desire that presence would lead to a demonstration. 
Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 20 says that if we preach the gospel, these signs would follow, which means that it's inevitable. Can I just suggest that God acts when we act? You go about, preach the gospel, he'll then show up and do the signs, wonders and miracles. It's a demonstration of power. I didn't come to you with words or eloquent speech. I came to you in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Oh, and this is not for the select few. This is for every single believer. The last one is this, the presence of God. No, before I go there, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. Or we are seeing salvations break out left, right and centre. We have literally taken our Numa School of the Spirit students through the material we're going to do as an intensive for you next week. This is an intensive. Uh, If you click on the back of the QR code, it'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, But we're going to train you in exactly the same things we've been training our Numa School of the Spirit students. Now, our Numa School of the Spirit students have been hitting the street every single Thursday for two and a half hours, just going out there, asking the Lord as they pray and lean into that space to lead them and guide them to the person of peace, to the person that needs salvation, to the person that needs healing, and for them stepping out of the fear zone and into the comfort zone of the Holy Spirit. We've seen amazing things. I've asked Jeremiah to come up and he's going to come share a couple of stories. So I can't begin to tell you the amount of things we've seen um, from deliverances to healings to salvations, from the presence of the Lord falling upon people in the streets. Um, We literally have pages and pages documented from going out for one hour a week, one hour a week. And I want to share a couple of stories really quickly. Um, One of my favorite ones was actually last week we were praying for a guy um, by the name of Ben. So we've been heading to Victoria Street in Richmond every week. And we've just seen the Lord really cleaning up that street simply because we've decided to persistently go back there and preach the gospel. And literally there was this guy just um, hunched over on the street. And we just asked him. It's a very simple, um, natural conversation. Hey, how's your day going? How are you doing? Um, What are you up to? And we often kind of just begin conversation like that and he was kind of hunched over and he's like oh not much I'm just chilling out um was obviously using drugs um and we said to him well you know is there anything we can do to help um just engage in some conversation and then um I began to share a little bit of my testimony with him I love going and just sharing the testimony that of what the Lord has done in my life because that carries weight um so I began to share my testimony with him and I was like hey bro there's actually freedom for you Um, I believe in Jesus. And he's like, oh, I'm not really religious. I don't really believe in God. He's like, I've tried Buddha and all that kind of stuff. And I said to him, but Jesus is real, bro. And I'm like, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he was like, he just couldn't compute in his mind how God could want a relationship with him. So I just said to him, okay, after about 15 minutes of conversation, I said, how about this, my friend? How about I pray for you and the presence of God touches you. And if he comes upon you, he's real. And if he doesn't, he's not. And he said to me, he said, okay. So he took me around the corner to his place and I just prayed for him. And I said, in the name of Jesus, Father, I just pray that your presence would come upon this man and you would reveal yourself to him. And the presence of the Lord touched that man and he looked up at me in tears and he said, what have you done to me, man? And I was like, nothing. I'm like, that's Jesus. I said, he's real and you can have a relationship with him. And then we ended up leading him to the Lord and we're going on a discipleship journey with him at the minute. We had another lady um, literally walked up to her, possessed by demons, and we were just having a conversation with her. 
and I didn't even initiate anything, but when the presence of the Lord is on your life, they can feel the Holy Spirit, right? And she says to me, I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like I'm choking. I'm like, okay, demons, let's get you out. So nothing crazy. I just said to her, do you mind if I just pray for you quickly? And she was like, okay. And I just said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just command these demons to leave your body and I command you to be restored. And she looks up at me again and she's like, what have you done to me? And I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit. And she's like, I feel like I can breathe for the first time in years. And we prayed and the Holy Spirit came and touched her and she was delivered of demons in such peace. We're seeing this time after time, week after week. And we are by no means anything special other than we had a revelation. The Lord opened our eyes simply to understand the power of the simplicity of the gospel to set people free. Um, so. Amazing. Thank you. Come on. Just this weekend, just this week past, the team were down the street. You may have seen it on social media, but the team were down the street and they started ministering to this woman who spoke Vietnamese and they had to get a translator. And so they prayed for her. I believe she was, was she healed? Yeah, she was healed. She gave her life to the Lord. The translator gave his life to the Lord. I'm telling you, it's breaking out everywhere. And it's not because there are chosen few or a select few. It's because they've decided, you know what? His word says it. I'm going to be obedient because I'm a disciple who follows him. And I'm going to lean into this space despite the discomfort. Oh, Jesus. Huh. Last point is this. Presence must invade. All ministry must have soul winning at the heart of it. Hmm. Soul winning must have, soul winning must be at the heart of every form of ministry that we do. We don't exist to build a church. We exist to see people saved. And he said he would build the church. So let's get focused on winning souls, winning people to the Lord, rather than trying to build something and get focused on what he's focused on. The church is the people of God. He will add to us day by day those who are being saved if we're obedient to him and if we lean into him. Hmm. Charles Spurgeon says this, if you have no desire for those who are unsaved, if you have no desire for the salvation of others, are you yourself even saved? How can you love him and not love what he loves? How can you? How can you call yourself a Christian, which is little Christ follower, if you don't look what he looks like? If you don't sound like what he sounds like? I know that sounds really, really heavy, but can I suggest that Jesus didn't call us to a playground? He called us to a battlefield. And so I'm not about to pussyfoot around with you and fluff it up and make it sound great. His word said it. I'm just telling you what it said. We now have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. Dare I say, may we always be a revival church living in the glory but may we never forget and may we always be able to preach the gospel, seek and save the lost, and be fishers of men, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons and cleanse the lepers. Church, this is what we're called to. This is what we're called to. 
I started this message with the story of my encounter with the Lord and the glory moment that I had. And then when I came back to him going, Lord, I'm not satisfied. I don't want those to be just distant 10-year things that happen. I want them regularly. And when he said to me, I can't. You're a container full of glory that needs to be poured out. It broke me. It absolutely broke me. Because it meant just maybe, just maybe I am not doing what he's asked me to do. I'm just like you. I've got a job that keeps me busy. I've got meetings with people and my job's in a Christian world. makes it really hard because they're all saved. So I've got to work too hard in that space. But honestly, I'm just like you. I'm busy. But Jesus was never too busy to walk past somebody. And I'm just like you. There's been moments where I've heard his voice and I've dismissed it because I thought it was my own thought. Can I suggest to you that if it's a, if it's a proclamation of the gospel and it's to, to do something for somebody else and see a breakthrough, it's probably not the devil. And it's probably just not your headspace. It's him trying to get our attention. God, pour me out. You can fill me again. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.